Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This podcast has been recorded during Vivite, an event organized by the Alleanza delle Cooperative Italiane, the Alliance of Italian Corps. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden. Today's guest is Andrea Di Fabio. Andrea is the commercial and marketing director for Cantina Tollo. Cantina Tollo is a cooperative, a very well-renowned cooperative, I should add, in the Abruzzo region on Italy's Adriatic coast. So I'm already going to get a job as the marketing. I, I'm, your, I'm your competition as your marketing, yeah? Why? marketing guy. <laughs> Why is your cooperative so well regarded? Just get straight into it, because it is. It's really an important cooperative for uh, central Italy course since uh, we have uh, more or less 800 uh, farmers associated and uh, 3,200 hectares. We manage uh, big production and it's really interesting because not only for the economic but also for the social uh, result for the, for the community. Yeah, for the community of course. So what's the breakdown of the, of the hectareage? How much is Trebbiano d'Abruzzo? How much is Montepulciano? How much are other grapes, like international varieties or other yeah. native grapes? Mostly we manage Montepulciano d'Abruzzo grape, uh, but of course we have uh, an important part, of more or less 20% of Trebbiano, and uh, Pecorino is growing a lot. Pecorino is an autochthonous grape from our region. Red or white? Obviously white. <laughs> I know, it's obvious for me. But it's really interesting since uh, it's a trendy wine. It's growing a lot. Uh, in past uh, three, four years, uh, it uh, gained uh, a lot of position uh, compared to Trebbiano. Pecorino is uh, really authentic from Abruzzo. You can find Trebbiano uh, in different regions from uh, Italy. So there's a big competition and uh, Trebbiano d'Abruzzo is not so going well as well uh, the, compared to Pecorino. What are the typical flavors of a white wine made from the Pecorino grape? Pecorino is um, in mouth uh, is uh, really strong full-bodied and uh, it's uh, spicy in our uh, position our location we are five kilometers from the sea and 25 from the mountain uh, it's really influenced by the sea so it has a, a lot of sapidity in the mouth in the nose uh, it's uh, not so fruity but it's really direct uh, and the uh, spicy is the the best characterization for uh, the smell do you think some consumers are moving away from the very aromatic wines, particularly, say, Sauvignon Blanc. If you look at Prosecco, yeah. obviously it's a sparkling wine, but a very popular wine, and it has no aroma. Is that why Pecorino is, is becoming more You know, I think that uh, every time as a, is trend, what I, I think that is really important now for wine is the authenticity. So people, especially millennials people, is searching for something really authentic and Pecorino is really authentic, is really linked to the terroir. So what about the other um, grape that you mentioned with a very difficult name to pronounce, white wine grape? Uh, we have Cococciola. Cococciola is a white grape, not so well known. It's really interesting since uh, it's uh, like uh, a green grape, really linked to grass grassy flavors. Yeah, yeah, grassy flavors and uh, very good acidity and sapidity as well. So good with food. And... Yes, perfect for different pairings. 
What about, um, we have another one called Passerina. That's another white wine, right? Yeah, Passerina. Passerina is... Uh, so you're going to forget that one, aren't you? Uh, I'm my, your job, I, man. I'm getting it. Because at the beginning, you spoke me about the Cococciola, so you influenced me too much. Passerina is, uh, it's in our company, it's really important since... Uh, uh, our group, Cantina Tullo Group, manages very new DOP in Abruzzo. That's called the Tullum DOP. Tullum is the Latin name from Tullo. We have the, how to say, monopoly for uh, this DOP. It's a, a niche DOP. The first year was uh, the 2008, and we started with uh, two white wines. The first one was Pecorino, obviously, and the second one was Passerina. Passerina, we rediscovered uh, completely uh, Passerina since Passerina was uh, used for blends. It's quite uh, massive uh, production since it has a yield of uh, uh, 30 tons per hectare usually. That's huge. But in our DOP, we reduced a lot the yield. The yield is now 9 tons per hectare and we use it uh, in pureness, 100%. So it's really nice, it's really interesting since it has, uh, it has a very good balance between fruity smell. Uh, so what are those fruity smells? What are the typical um, flavors? Mostly tropical smell, tropical fruits. Or kiwi? Kiwi, but uh, papaya and um, in the mouth is a very it has a very good acidity and sapidity is that sapidity from the grape or is it also due to the presence of the mostly of the adriatic sea which is from very the adriatic sea but uh, from the soil as well since it's a very calcareous soil and uh, we have uh, also some petrol uh, in deepness <laughs> okay so you i mean do you say it's like you... minerality you know okay. did you get petrol notes in the wine when it ages yes you can appreciate in our white wine especially for Passerina and Pecorino, but it uh, grows with the aging of the wine. So the Passerina is the, is the Riesling of the Abruzzo, we could um, say. More or less, you can say so. <laughs> okay, that's great. Well, we love Riesling and um, we love Passerina as well. Now, as a cooperative, you've been one of the leaders in organic wine growing in Italy. Yes, we started uh, 30 years ago. Our farmers, a part of our farmers, they were uh, 40, 50 uh, people. They started with this uh, organic vision of the life, not only for the vineyards, but of the life. And um, till uh, 10 years ago, there was no success for organic wine, you know. We had at the beginning uh, a small part bottled. Uh, we sold a lot uh, as bulk. Uh, the last 10 years, there was a good growth. And uh, now, uh, growing uh, with the uh, 100% per year and more or less uh, it's the trendy growth for us. Now we gained a very important turnover uh, value. Why was Abruzzo a magnet for the pioneering organic producers in Italy? What was it? Was it did people move there to, to, to reinvent their lives and to live a greener lifestyle or was it local people that converted to organics? The, the location is really important uh, since yes people is lives in, uh, in green life but what is important that we have five national parks. Our nature is really uh, helping us in the, the development of the organic uh, agriculture. 
and you know marketing is important as well since uh, now and quality and quality of course so just for those of listeners that don't know right at the start of this interview you mentioned that we've got the Adriatic Sea on one side and then the mountain mountains. or the mountains how far away from the coast what is the main mountain called the main mountain is the Grand Sasso which means the big stone so. yes and 40 minutes by car from the seaside and in kilometers I love it I love it how Italians always uh, <laughs> everything is like by car isn't it it's not like <laughs> kilometers or miles yeah more or less is uh, 30 miles so that's not a huge distance not a huge distance let's consider usually Pass when I was going to the seaside during uh, at the beginning of May or the half of June, I headed back the mountains with the snow, and it was really nice. Yeah, it's an amazing contrast yeah, to have yeah, that yeah. Um, in one read. How do you see the future of cooperative winemaking in Italy? You, you know, your cooperative has been an inc- has had incredible success, and it's not easy what you've achieved. Uh, it's been a long, hard road, but you're certainly pioneering on on the organics. Very good climate. You still have a lot of pergola vines, which is the traditional way of growing in the south, which I think more wineries will, will go back to because of climate change. Uh-huh. Obviously, for more it's a bit more cost for labour. How would you, if you were suggesting to other wineries in Italy, cooperative? wineries to improve what they're doing what would you suggest I think that it's really important that farmers first of all they, they, they have to understand their mission they are really important for not only for wine business but for the environmental situation and uh, for the environmental future and it's really important that farmers um, as to understand, they have to invest a little bit more in their companies since uh, the big difference between uh, a private producer and a cooperative producer is that they uh, the first one has a brand building uh, really continuous but the, the second one the cooperative producer it's more important uh, the quality of the production see, but they often see it as volume they say we grow as many we yeah. get paid by the kilo so the more kilos of grapes i deliver to the cooperative the more money i'm going to get how do you prevent that yield hungry mentality from from dominating and and, and din- we, diminishing your brand we try to manage our farmers in uh, different ways of course for bark wine we can't manage because there are big volumes but for bottled wine we make special contracts with them and we establish at the beginning they will uh, do everything we want on the on the vineyard I, I mean products they use for uh, the growing of the grapes green harvest uh, and so on at the end they will have uh, a, a defined amount even if they are bringing us uh, 10 kilos or 100 kilos there's no difference but we want to manage the quality according our uh, law so you're basically it's what you're offering them is is predictable economics of course you you grow this in this way and you will get this you of don't course. grow it this way then you won't get anything perfect and I mean people some people would say that's a great idea it makes sense some people say you got you crazy you know you're yeah. sitting there in your office I'm out there it's boiling hot I'm pruning and you're telling me to, to cut my yield how do you get around that it was not so easy you need time but if you have result in the bottle they will believe you don't worry but do they do but do they believe you i mean it's again i mean if they you know if you used to go to scrapers if they taste some different wines they will listen. but you have to pay them a yeah, little right. bit more <laughs> yeah the, the, these wines are nice it's but fun. i want it's i really need important. to pay my mortgage i need to buy a new tractor yeah it's a compromise you know so is the de- what's the demographic like of your growers are they are they the classic image of a cooperative grower in Italy is an old man with his cap his fiat tractor that he bought in 1964 yeah the demographic is changing of course uh, now we Mostly they are uh, old people, but they are trying to move to their son. It's not easy. Or daughter. 
or daughter, of course. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, we try to manage uh, this transition. We try to make some uh, to, to join join uh, different vineyards. Are you, as a cooperative, allowed to buy vineyards or not? If you if you know that there's a very old grower who's maybe 95 and has a fantastic vineyard, yeah. can the cooperative actually buy that, or, or you're not allowed we can to buy? buy. We can. can buy. We can buy. That? We have a little bit of uh, vineyards uh, so a little bit? in is our much? home property. Uh, it's uh, 10 hectares, not so more. That is a little bit. Yeah, but they are. Um, we use that for special projects. Uh, and so in terms of, I mean, how easy is it to be organic in your area for your main grapes? Like it's Trebiano? quite easy, quite easy, quite easy since uh, climate is uh, really good for us. It's not well diffused since you have to manage the distances between uh, the organic and the conventional uh, vineyard. The spray drift. So yeah, then, yeah, yeah, the spread. You have to understand that the Italian law is really strict compared to European law. On what exactly? on the spray drift yeah on the spreader but also in uh, in the products you can use the quantities allowed in the in the vineyard in our region is not so difficult i have to say it's not the same uh, uh, of course in sicily is the climate is uh, so dry dry yeah let's just talk about mon Montepulciano the grape, obviously uh -huh. not to be confused with Vino Nobili de Montepulciano, which is a region in Tuscany. I think Montepulciano is a very underrated grape variety. Yeah. Um, people can argue about Trebbiano, Trebbiano d'Abruzzesi is the actual grape that makes Trebbiano d'Abruzzo wine, but what can you do to make people understand um, or to help people understand that Montepulciano, the red wine grape from Abruzzo, is a fantastic red wine grape? Montepulciano d'Abruzzo has a really good quality since uh, it has a tannin uh, really aggressive, really structured, uh, full-bodied. Uh, I don't have to say it, but let's consider that in the past it was used a lot for blending with uh, different important wines and I don't want to mention that. Now we try to, to give the to Montepulciano good brand position. Isn't that frustrating though when you know that in the old days that Montepulciano was used in very very famous wines as you said. Yeah. So clearly it's it, frustrating but uh, it's our duty to manage the, the way to reposition the brand, the, the name of the Montepulciano. Since it has a really good qualities uh, with the Montepulciano you can manage wine that could last for 20, 50 years, not 50 sorry, 20, 30 years and uh, it's not common. What is the key thing to make a, a good Montepulciano is it um, you know it can suffer maybe uneven ripening consider that uh, Montepulciano usually is uh, picked uh, before the half of September and the half of the of October usually it depends on the Montepulciano the wine you want to have in the bottle if you want wine very structured you have to pick up a little bit mature you have to harvest um, yeah a little bit over it, yeah yeah uh, usually Montepulciano in the past was managed mostly in the wood since of the aggressivity of the tannin. So using oak um, casks and barrels to calm yeah, the tannin? Yeah, most, mostly barrels. Uh, we are changing completely our philosophy. Uh, we started to discover the cement tanks, concrete tanks. Hooray! Yeah, uh, there's a, it's not easy, really not easy because, uh, because of the tannin but we have a very impressive uh, results. And we try to uh, use less barrique, more uh, big wood, tonneau and uh, big barrels, 
especially not new, second, third passage. And we now we are having a very good uh, results. We have a very interesting Montepulciano that is all, uh, also a Trebbichieri Gambero Rosso. Uh, it was the, for the third year in a row, it's called the Mo, it's a Montepulciano Reserva. And we started uh, with this kind of Montepulciano that was completely new for the, the market since Montepulciano Reserva, as I told you before, uh, was uh, aged in, uh, in Barrique. Now we aged in Torno and we had a very new really complex, really elegant, but not so uh, aggressive. aggressive, not so fat, and uh, really drinkable. And now you know it's drinkability is really important for the market. Okay, um, just want to say thank you to Andrea Di Fabio, uh, Commercial Marketing Director for, for Cantina Tolo. I think you'd actually make a good vineyard manager as well, based on the yeah. conversation <laughs> we've had. So you are a man of many talents, and you do work for um, an outstanding cooperative. Cantina. Thanks for your compliments. Uh, Cantina, I've known you, you guys for a long time. Um, Cantina Tollo in the Abruzzo region uh, in Italy, and uh, I hope to I'll come down and see you. And um, we wait for you. Yeah, see how the organic program is. All those hippies, you know, you'll be, yeah. you'll, 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 you know, you'll be a hippie like in a few years' time. You know, you like seventies, <laughs> 1960s hippies who went down to Abruzzo to do all these weirdy, beardy, organic biodynamic. <laughs> a wine crane. You're smart. You got your suit, a fancy watch, and, and you are going to be living in a teepee in about ten, in a little tent in about ten years' time. Yeah. Thanks very much, Andrea. Thank you. Nice Thank to you. meet you. Ciao, grazie. This episode has been brought to you by Vinitali 2018, taking place in Verona from April 15th to 18th. Vinitali is the wine exhibition that helps you discover and get to know Italian wine, and features over 4,200 wineries. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 